And now, the first and gold podcast with Jason Gold. Welcome to the First and Gold podcast. My name is Jason Gold. This is the week four Pac 12 preview show. I'm glad that you're all joining us today. We have two guests today. First up, Brian Kalbrowski of Fox Sports, and then second, my normal co-host, Ethan Friedman, will be jumping on the line, and we'll talk with him about the Pac-12. All right, let's get right to it. We're back with the Pac-12 for week four. I am joined again by Brian Kalbrowski of Fox Sports. Brian, you doing well today? Today is a great day to be alive, Jason. How are you? I'm very, very well. I'm excited. This is a great week for the Pac-12. There are a lot of good games, at least, uh- at least four. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe five if uh, Oregon State can have something to say about that on Friday night. Absolutely. I mean, USC-Stanford gave us a really great opening, but I think that uh, momentum's headed towards uh, an even better weekend this weekend. I don't think that there's a better conference slate, maybe all year than this week, honestly. Maybe just because we don't know about all these teams yet and everyone seems to be really competitive. I think there's going to be a lot of great close finishes this week. But uh, yeah. let's start off with Utah-Oregon. Obviously, we're, we both happen to be Oregon grads, so we may be a little slanted on this, but we're going to try and keep it safe. Um, so Utah at Oregon is at 5.30 p.m. on Fox. Oregon's favored by 11 points right now. We do not know who the quarterback is going to be for both teams. However, I guess we're led to believe that it's going to be Wilson and Adams, based on the fact that they were both available to play last week. Um, but that is by no means confirmed. So that makes this game a little bit even more interesting. Uh, obviously, if it's Thompson or, uh, or Lockie, it's a, it's a lot different game. But assuming both of those quarterbacks actually start, uh, how do you see this game playing out? I think it's going to be a lot closer than people realize. Uh, these are must-win games for both teams, absolutely. Uh, a win for Utah, um, not only would that mean a 2-2 two and two record for Oregon, but it would mean that Utah has to be considered the best team in the Pac-12, uh, at least so early in this season. I think that it really is going to come down to how well uh, Utah will be able to establish the pass and how well Oregon will be able to establish the rush. I agree. I mean, it seems like every game for Oregon is, as long as you get the run game going and the offensive line is winning, they're going to win the game. I don't think that I've seen an Oregon game where they've established a run and they've lost. Yeah, I think that the uh, that Utah is going to be a big test for them. Um, Josh Furlong from KSL.com earlier today tweeted that Utah is number two in rushing defense in the Pac-12, allowing only 105.7 yards per game, whereas Oregon is the number two rushing offense in the Pac-12 with a 306 rushing yards per game. Huge disparity there, uh, so I'm very curious how it'll play out. And if you also look a little bit closer, their passing game uh, is similarly well-matched, and, and especially on the other side of the spectrum, though. Utah is number 11 in the Pac-12 in passing offense with 167 yards per game. But Oregon's passing defense has been one of the worst in college football, atrocious in the Pac-12, number 12 overall, last overall uh, in passing defense, allowing 316 yards per game. So I think that uh, in both disparities, one of the teams is, is going to have to come out on top. So I think whoever really establishes that is going to come out with that victory. Well, the thing for Oregon is you've got to have to stop Booker, first of all, running the ball, which Oregon has done, I mean, outside of a couple of plays against Michigan State, they stopped the run relatively well, but I don't know if that's just because other teams are just, why don't we just pass against Oregon's defense? Like, it's awful. The secondary is terrible. So it'll be interesting to see what Utah does in that respect. Uh, I would not be surprised if Utah uses Booker a lot out of the backfield catching the ball, um, similar to how, 
well, I'm going to go back to Florida State for a second, but Florida State used uh, Cook like this a lot. Just those little seven-yard routes, you keep getting first downs against Oregon. As long as you don't turn turn the ball over there, it's an effective way to move the ball down the field. I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, I think that if Lockie starts in this game, I actually would probably pick Utah. Um, but I think that Adams is going to play. I think he spreads the ball out a little bit more. Uh, I think Oregon has a huge advantage of their wide receivers versus Utah's defensive backs. and uh, Or against any defensive back in the country. This is also, also true, as, as, long as, uh, as long as you have a healthy quarterback. Um, so I have Oregon. I think it's going to be close. I have it 37-31, Oregon. So that would be uh, not beating the spread. Nope, not, no cover in this one. Yeah, I think that uh, for, for gambling's sake, I'll have to pick Oregon against the spread, but I think it'll be about two touchdowns. I'm going to go with about 35-21. Jason, do you think that perhaps Oregon's secondary uh, isn't really playing to its full capability because they're playing against their camp competition and don't want to show their playbook, or is it too early to say that? I can see that a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know that's tough. I mean, they played. they didn't play awful against Michigan State. I'll give them that. It's been against the two opponents that no one really cared about that they've just got eaten up uh i mean they only gave what 199 yards to connor cook right so, it, that wasn't terrible it wasn't a terrible performance um what they really need to do and what oregon's done over the past seven years or so has been they just need to create turnovers in the secondary you're yeah. gonna give up you're gonna give up yards you're gonna give up touchdowns oregon's offense is gonna score touchdowns it doesn't really matter but you need to get the ball back to oregon's offense more than you're getting the ball away that's the well, whole thing that's the whole thing with Oregon. Absolutely. And luckily last year for Oregon, uh, they got two picks off Travis Wilson. He allowed him, he gave up almost 300 yards, but uh, they still were able to get the ball back into Mario hands. So if they can do that for Vernon, whoever is leading the offense this year, it should be a good, good win for Oregon to help uh, get them up in the rankings a little bit. If this game was in Utah like the game last year was, would you pick Utah in this game? I actually think that if I didn't pick Utah, I would be very scared. Uh, either way. So I think I'd either pick Utah or I'd be very nervous for Oregon. But I think uh, first game for the freshmen, shout out to uh, my little sister Emily, who will be watching her first game from the student section. Um, and I think that they're not they're not losing the first game for the freshmen. That'd be a devastating career for those four years. <laughs> hey, I, I lost my first game as a freshman. I did. Cal, Oregon. First game day game. My first game ever was against Cal as well. Oh, the 42-3 to game? That was a lot better. No, that was the game that Michael got hurt. Oh, different one. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on to, let's go to UCLA, Arizona. ESPN's college game day, uh, my favorite game of the week. Uh, a big, big test for UCLA's uh, quarterback, Josh Rosen. He needs a big comeback game after last week, considering he looked uh I'm not going to say atrocious against BYU because he got the win and it was Tanner Mangum who threw the last second pick. But uh, without Miles Jack, the centerpiece of um, UCLA's perhaps entire team, I think that they'll need to rely a lot on that rush game again against, uh, against Arizona. Paul Perkins and Nick Wilson, uh, besides Royce Freeman, are definitely the two best running backs in the Pac-12. It's going to be a great showcase. Um, I've got UCLA winning the game, but just barely. And I think uh, some writers at Fox Sports have mentioned if UCLA loses the game, I don't think it's an upset. I think Arizona's just as good. I agree with that. I, I, I actually, was, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, the toughest places to play in the Pac-12. Right now, one, two, three, I have Oregon, Arizona, and Utah. I think Arizona's an incredibly difficult place to play, especially at night. 
that crowd gets roared up with the help of some alcohol. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a really good crowd, surprisingly. And with right back, I know they haven't played anyone this year really yet, and they got a little scare from UTSA earlier in the year in the first game, but I think that Larry Coker just has their number or something. Something weird's going on with that team. But uh, I, I actually think that Arizona's going to win this game. I don't like the way that Rosen played last week. I think the loss of Jack hurts them a lot more just from a, a confidence uh, standpoint. Uh, I think that having him, I don't know, he's just kind of the heart of the defense. And they have two other guys that are lost on their defense, too. I think it's really going to be an issue for them. Uh, and, you know, I, I, like the, I like the confidence that Arizona has knowing that, you know, they won the Pac-12 South last year and everybody's back. Uh, I think they're going to win this game. I have it 31-30 Arizona. The line for the record is 3.5 for UCLA. I was thinking about it earlier today, talking to a coworker at work, Jason. Do you think that Arizona currently has the best odds to go undefeated in the Pac-12? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, man, that's difficult. I think if they win this game, they certainly do. It's, uh, so it gets easier after here, and it's not going to be easy all season, but it, uh, UCLA is probably their biggest team. They've also beaten the top 10 team uh, each of the last three years under Rich Rodriguez, although they have yet to beat, uh, Rich Rodriguez anyways, yet to beat a Jim Moore-led UCLA team. So uh, it'll be significant either way. I'm so, I can't get over that question. I don't know if it's Arizona or Cal. I, th- I don't think there's any chance Cal goes undefeated this no, year. No, neither do I, but I'm, I just, I'm, just looking at, Cal. I'm just looking at their path. Because they're going to have to play... Arizona has to play all four of those teams in the South. Yeah, and the South is it's just dirty this year. I think the South is top two division in college football. Yeah, I think that's kind of unquestioned at this point, along with the SEC West. Um, I don't know, that's, that's really tough. Yeah, maybe Arizona's the right answer. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't think they're going to do it. I think that um, it would be crazy if they did. It would be an automatic road to the playoffs if they did. But uh, at least in my opinion, it w- it's an interesting question, though. So I'm glad that you thought it was interesting too. I don't think that any Pac-12 team is going to make it out without two losses on the season. Not necessarily in conference, but I don't think I think the Pac-12 champion will have two losses. So does a Pac-12 champion with two losses go to the playoffs? I guess it depends on whatever everything else happens. Before the year, I said yes. I said Oregon was going to go. Uh, 11-2, they were going to lose to Michigan State and Arizona State, and they were going to make the playoffs as the fourth seed. So if we're going with my preseason prediction, yes. Uh, I don't necessarily feel so confident in that anymore. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I would say yes. But I guess it really depends on what happens. I mean, if a Notre Dame team loses one game and you have an SEC champion with one loss and then you have a Big 12 champion with one loss, I mean, now you're going down to the Pac-12 versus an Ohio State or Michigan State team. I mean, that team's going to get in. So, I don't know. They could get left out also. I don't know. Yeah. I think that if, if Scooby Wright comes back healthy and playing as well as he did last year, uh, I think that Solomon and Wilson are pretty lethal. So, I'm very, very excited about this Arizona team, and uh, I think they're slept on. I believe that Arizona's without their best wide receiver in this game. That's the only thing that I think that could hurt him. Caleb Jones is out, right? Uh, he's questionable. Okay. Well, if he plays, that's, that's a big deal for them. He's a really good player. Yes, absolutely. All right, so let's go over to uh, USC-ASU, which is a 7.30 game on ESPN. USC is favored on the road by 5.5 points. This is a big one for USC. We know what happened last time they went to ASU. Wayne Kiffin got left on the tarmac. Uh, Seems like they're in a, maybe not similar, but close to the same situation where both Pat Hayden and Steve Keeshan seem to be 
a little bit on the hot seat. I don't know how hot the seat actually is, but uh, it's certainly interesting. And Arizona State's looked terrible this year, to be honest. I mean, I know they're two and one, but uh, they struggled against Cal Poly. They lost to Texas A and M. Uh, they have some issues to work out. Uh, this is a really interesting game with two teams that desperately need wins. I'm curious if you threw in the Lane Kiffin reference there just to get some buzzworthiness from Twitter today, or if because they gave up 62 points. I'm, I'm Not quite. I, 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 I have I have my notes here from yesterday before that broke that still say Lane Kiffin, but uh, yeah, it happened to work out well. Well, I think that USC has to spank him here. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to go off for a lot of yards. I think that Cody Kessler um, has looked really great all season. Ten touchdowns, no picks through three games. There's nothing to nothing to brush over. Um, I think that, that Arizona State, it's going to be a tough loss for them because uh, they, they haven't started off hot. Like, I th- like you said, uh, those first two games were especially tough. I think the A&M game is excusable. Playing A&M on the road, it's not going to be easy. But struggling against Cal Poly is just, to me, fairly inexcusable. I think USC needs this win so bad. If they go 2-2 two and two to start the season when they were ranked number 6 in the country just last week, I think uh, that would be demoralizing and almost uh, uh, just a guarantee to end Sarkeesian's career over at USC. I think USC spanks them. They cover and I think that uh, Arizona State needs to reconsider some things. I have USC winning as well. I have it a little bit closer than you. I still have them covering. Uh, I have it 42-35 USC. Um, the only reason I'm saying it's going to be this close, I think USC is way more talented. Uh, I do like that. Even, even whatever happened last week, they had a bad defensive game plan. They should have beaten Stanford. They played a better game for three quarters. Uh, I like the way that their offense played against Stanford. It's hard to score on them. So uh, I was as okay with the home loss as you possibly can be, I think. Um, but I think USC is going to come in here. But ASU at home at night, that's a really tough place to play also, especially those night games. Um, so I think it will be close for maybe the first half, first three quarters, and then USC will pull away at the end. I think so, too. Yeah. All right, let's go to Cal, U- uh, Cal Washington. Cal played an insane game last week. I have no idea how it was that close or how they won at the end, 45-44 over Texas. Washington has, I don't know if anyone's paying attention to them, but they've been pretty impressive. The the loss at Boise State, they showed up in the second half. Their defense and special teams have been great. Really solid win against a Utah State team last week that's pretty good with, I know you texted me earlier this week, RIP Chucky Keaton once again, uh, one of my favorite players in college football. Um but that was an impressive win. And their freshman quarterback, Jake Browning, 360 yards and three touchdowns last week against Utah State. He struggled against Boise State, but he kept his eyes downfield in that game. And then outside of that, he has had two consecutive 300-yard games, throwing some touchdowns, doing some nice things. And against Cal's defense, which we thought was better, but maybe not actually be better based on the Texas result, uh, Browning can find some success. I think this is going to be a really close game. This might be the best game of the weekend. It's got to be up there. I think that I'm going to probably go ahead and pick Cal until they lose. I've got this weird feeling that Cal might be one of the biggest sleeper teams in the country this year. Uh, I mean, you have a pretty big man crush on Jared Goff, and it's starting to get a little contagious into my way as well. Uh, I think that Jared Goff is, is fairly lethal. Washington is good, but I don't think they're as good as they were last year, um, and they weren't that good last year. So I think Cal wins. I think Cal covers. I think that Washington... 
eventually they're going to have to figure out what's going on with Coach P because he's a really, really good coach, but they're just not winning games. But until Cal loses, I'm sticking with Cal. I think this is going to be a really close game, honestly. I think Washington's defense is going to play a lot better than maybe other people think against this Cal def- or offense. Uh, Cal's offense last year, for I mean, they scored 50 points a game for most of the season, but they played Washington in Berkeley last year, only scored seven points, 31-7 to loss. So they either have revenge on their mind or Washington has something figured out about that offense. I don't know which way it's going to break. Uh, I'm going to go with you. I'm riding Cal until they lose. Everybody knows about my man crush on Goff. I write about it every week. I think he's the best player in the 2016 draft. I think he's going to go number one overall. Um, so I have to keep picking him until either they lose or until they play Oregon or, or Stanford. Uh, I have Cal 34 to 30. Mm, that's close. Does that cover? I forgot what the line was. That does not cover. Cal's minus five and a half. Okay. Well, I'll have Cal to cover. All right. Uh, there's the Colorado-Nickel State game. No one cares about that. I have 42-16 Colorado. doesn't really matter. All right, and I'll go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want Colorado to lose this game so they're not 3-1 and because I think that would be a ridiculous thing for their ego. Um, but I think they're going to win because it's Nickel State. Uh, they're, I mean, okay, Nickel State, I know it's not spelled the same way, but all I can think of is a 5-cent piece. So I'm going to go with Colorado covering. <laughs> all right. There we go. Uh Last game we're going to cover, Friday night, 7 p.m., Fox Sports 1, Stanford at Oregon State. Stanford, there's no line right now, actually. The line popped up for a second. It was minus 17, and then Kevin Hogan became questionable, uh, so they took the line down. So we're going to stick with 17 for now, assuming that he plays. Uh, Oregon State head coach Gary Anderson would be uh, really, really shocked if Hogan doesn't play. He played with his sprained ankle in the second half against USC and played great. So I, I would be surprised if we didn't see him as well. Uh, here's the thing that I have with this game. Stanford's on a really short week over, after an emotional win. They have injuries to one of their best linebackers, their quarterback. And it's a road game. And it's at night. And we have something called Pac-12 after dark. There's a potential upset here. There's a potential yeah. upset. And Oregon State is not a good team. They have a quarterback who runs the ball a lot. Seth Collins is third in the country in uh, rushing yards for quarterbacks. I don't think that in a, on a neutral field or whatever, I think the Stanford would beat him by like 30 points. But given the situation, I wouldn't be totally blown away if Oregon State pulled off an upset. I don't think uh, I don't think I'd be too surprised either. Honestly, I think that Stanford's really good. They're probably coming into this game a little bit cocky after that huge win against USC on the road. I think that uh, Oregon State is a lot worse than Stanford uh, when you look at the X's and O's. Uh, they also don't have as good of a coach, in my opinion. I think Shaw really proved that he's got to be one of the best coaches in the Pac-12, and he's had good success. Um, I think I'm going to pick Stanford in this one. If Hogan is not playing, however, I'm going to have to change that pick over to an upset alert in the Pac-12 after dark. Overall, I think Stanford gets the win, and I think they cover. Uh, okay, so I have Stanford as well. I know I built that up to think I was going to say Oregon State, but I am not. I can't do it if Hogan's going to play. And even if it's Keller Chris, I don't know if I would do it. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. And... To be honest, I kind of hope it does happen. Uh, but I have Sanford 27-17. Really, really close. Goes into the fourth quarter, maybe tied. Three-point difference. 
uh, and then Sanford pulls away at the end. But, again, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was Oregon State taking home the win. Right. I think eventually we're going to start to realize that the Pac-12 is going to beat up on each other, give each other losses. Not everyone's going to be 2-1 and one all season like it is right now. Right now, Colorado and, U- uh, and uh, Oregon and USC all have the same record, so I think that's not going to stay around forever. There's going to be some weird upsets, but I think, meanwhile, uh, the cream will rise to the top. Stanford's still one of the better teams in the Pac-12. They're going to keep winning. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Jason. I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Ethan Friedman. Ethan, how are you doing today? Very well. Very well. It's good to hear. I know it was a tough week for you last week with the uh, USC loss. I guess we're not allowed to talk about that, but we, I mean, we can well. talk about it. Well, you haven't got me lathered up yet, so I mean, I don't want to... I mean, we, sh- we should start there, because I, I want to talk about Sarkeesian, I want to talk about Hayden, and I want to talk about your favorite person right now, Justin Wilcox. Oh, God. Is there ever a guy... The guy must be the best interviewer ever, because I, I don't think the guy's done anything since 2009 when he was at Boise State. Uh, you mean the one game he had against Oregon, where Oregon scored eight points in Chip Kelly's debut? It is... That was, uh, uh, Jason, uh, the the stuff's going to start flying out right now. Let's have it. That was the worst defensive game plan I've seen in quite some time. So I thought that USC's offense played very well. Um, There was some sputtering, but that's to be expected against Stanford. Uh, The fact that they couldn't control Hogan and then a hobbled Hogan is beyond comprehension in my mind. Uh, I didn't get it. They couldn't cover the tight end. Uh, They didn't really stop the running game. It, it wasn't. Was, any, it also, it, but it wasn't anything like it was fundamental football. It wasn't anything surprising. Anything you didn't see. It's like uh, at the end of the game, there was a third and seven, and the one guy you should account for, Christian McCaffrey, they didn't, and picked up a little screen pass that got ten yards. It, it's stuff like that. It wasn't anything out of the box. There was, and then on SC's other side, when you're. <laughs> <laughs> SC's idea of blitzing is bringing five guys, five down linemen. That's not blitzing. Well, especially against a guy like Hogan, you have no to blitz. Sense. You have to send some no. pressure. There were no corner blitzes. Sue was the only one who played well. He was the only difference maker on defense, which now I believe Sue is the only difference maker they have on defense, uh, besides the young corners who will be good. But in that front seven, he is the only difference maker. It's just very frustrating and disheartening because every year the season ends – we get a great recruiting class. Spring ball rolls around. I get excited. Fall camp rolls around. I get excited. And then the season starts, and I remember, oh, wait, these guys can't coach. And I, I, I don't disagree with you so far. I mean, Sarkeesian's lost a lot of games that he shouldn't have lost. He shouldn't have lost to Stanford. That's pretty obvious. No, I think not a loss to Stanford. Under no, first of all, you shouldn't lose at home. You should not lose when you're, the, when you're that big a favorite. It's just... It grinds my gears, Jason. And I'm at the point now where I don't know if I can keep doing this to myself. So what are your thoughts on Sark being on the hot seat and or Hayden being on the hot seat? Well, if you uh, – Joel Klatt uh, talked about today that it is, it is Hayden on the hot seat, not Sark. Matt Liner today talked about if Sark loses this weekend, he is coaching for every game for his life. I don't know, I don't know that just yet with Sark because he's the year two. I don't, I don't like Sark. never like to hire um, but he's in year two, and it's not very easy. It's easier said than done just to fire someone. When, but there's contracts, there's buyouts, there's things of that nature. And, yeah, you make a ton of money, but you, have so, you just had to pay the last coach uh, a buyout and, and keep paying. Do you want to keep doing that? So I, I honestly don't know what to make of it. I know that um, 
players don't like certain coaches. I know that Sark is not a um, authoritarian kind of guy. When you see the first of all, you you had Zach you had Zach Banner and Max Turf, two veteran players on the goal line, get personal foul calls. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Um, it's just I, I don't know about coaching for your life. I don't know, but I. I, I wish it was that case, but I don't think so. I, I think that it leans more Hayden because this is his hire more than it is on Sark. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sark got fired at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if he got fired mid-year. He put himself squarely on the hot seat with the issue earlier that we didn't think was going to be a big deal, but it was strike one. Hey, well, it's, it's not an issue if you win. And well, Winning, winning, winning solves everything. Of course. You, you can be excused for anything when you win, and it's just I, – I think that the offense is good, but I, I don't know what the offense's identity right now is. When the, the, they, when the Stanford game was rolling, they were running the ball really well. They got away from that. And then they also, when they got away from that, they still didn't take shots down the field enough. Which, which is surprising I, because, well, Stanford was – they had four defensive linemen that are healthy, maybe five. There was one walk-on who played. So you should have been able to run the ball, and you did at times and effectively. And then their secondary is very young. They have one experienced player, Ronnie Harris, and you guys didn't take any – or USC didn't no, take any there, shots there down field. Shot, there were a lack of shots downfield. It was just though. But I thought a, a big turning point of the game was SC got up 21-10. Offense looked sharp. In, it, it's Wilcox's nature and Sark's nature is we're scoring points. Let's not bring a heat. Let's, let's back it up. Let's play back, which is the absolute incorrect thing to do in college sports. When you have a team on the throat and you're ready to take them out, you go for the kill shot. College teams are mentally weak. They're, this is not like the pros where guys can come back. You take a team out, you force a three and out, you get another score. Game's over. Teams are not going to come back from that. And, and they've done this before in the past when they lost last year at, at places like Utah, barely surviving Arizona last year when they were up a few scores in the fourth quarter. It just... I, I don't understand their mentality right now. And I also don't understand last year, yes, they were thin on numbers. They have more numbers this year. They have experienced guys. I, I don't know what these coaches are thinking. I always like to say that in, in college and pros, these guys know more than us. They're on the ground. They're at ground level. But this stuff makes me question what they know. Strong words. I, I don't it's, disagree with anything. Jason, I'm literally, I'm, you have no, I am at my breaking point. <laughs> Is there anybody – all right, so we're going to take this uh, macro view. Is there any on, on the college football landscape that we, you would want that you think you could get instead of Sark? Are you are – you, okay. Are you putting me as the AD right now? I'm in yes. charge. Well, that's that's your dream job, so yes. Yeah, well, that's what so my mother thinks should be my dream job. God bless her. So you have to think outside the box, which I think now is more crucial than ever. And I'm not sure if a guy like Hayden that, but I'm in charge. I'm looking at guys like – comes to mind is Memphis head coach Justin Fuente. You've been on that train for two years. I have because I've seen him build a program from nothing. He was always, I said, if Bob Stoops had a down year this year, he would be Oklahoma's guy. He was a quarterback at Oklahoma in the 90s when they were horrible. I still hold out hope for Kevin Sumlin. I just, I just do. And I, 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 uh, it's, 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 Jason, it's so frustrating. <laughs> well, you might be able to go out and get Chip Kelly after this year. Yes, that, that's one that comes to mind. I was thinking about Chip with jobs opening up and, and what happens, but I just I don't think SC has the the gumption or the balls to pull the trigger on stuff like that. Well, I don't think Chip would go against anyone in the Pac-12. I think that he would take a job 
somewhere else. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I don't think that he would go against Oregon at this point. He'll go with the money is. Like, if Texas opened up, I could see him going there. Yeah, I, I can't too. I just, I, I just, it's it's very frustrating right now. I I, I, I don't know what happens. It's it just, I, and I know they're going to rope me back in, and I'm going to be all back in, and I'm just going to get my heart broken. Well, that's probably going to happen this week against ASU. Listen, if we, if we lose this weekend, I'm, it, it's fine. At this point, it's, I'm, I'm so beaten down. <laughs> All right, let's go to our Pac-12 power rankings. We're going to do this probably every month, uh, at the end of every month. So we're through three weeks. I think it's time to break it out. Uh, my Pac-12 power rankings right now. I'll start. You can go second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Oregon number one still. I guess that's kind of surprising. But until they get really knocked off in the conference, uh, I'm not going to move them. Uh, number two, I have Arizona. Same kind of deal. They won the South last year, and they're undefeated this year. So until someone knocks them off, I'm going to put them at two. I have USC third. Ugh, drop them down to six, Jason. I have UCLA four, Stanford five, Utah six, Cal, our favorite team, I have seventh, uh, Washington eighth. I have Arizona State ninth. Ten, I have Oregon State, then Washington State, and then Colorado. Okay, I like that. I have a little bit of a different one. I have UCLA number one right now. Wow. I do? Well, I guess we'll talk about that game a little bit later. Yeah, it's, it's, right, it's right now. Nothing's happened Saturday. Um, number two, I have Oregon. Number three right now, I have the Stanford Cardinal. Fair enough. Number five, I have Utah. Or, excuse me, um, number four, I have Utah. Number five, I have Arizona. Number six, SC. Number seven, Cal. Eight, ASU. Nine, Washington. Ten, Colorado. Eleven, Washington State. And twelve, rounding out the Beavers of Oregon State. You I think it's have, fair. You, I would think have col- you would have Colorado at ten instead of twelve. You're on that bandwagon. Listen, Jason, don't, don't quote me on something I said that, that was live and in public, okay? Jason, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fragile human being right now. Six-win Colorado team coming at you. Oh, God. I just... Why do we hey, do this big, anymore? Big win, big win last week against Colorado State. That was actually underrated. They have a huge win for them. Oh, I'm sorry. I was watching a defense not blitz for three and a half hours, but continue. Well, you also missed the Cal-Texas game that we had built up for three months. This is what you get. This is what you get. Excuse me, Jason, for, for, for being a fan and supporting a team since I was a young end. Well, you know what? seems, you seems know, to be your own problem. Drake and Future said, what a time to be alive, and I just don't think so. <laughs> just why, Jason? Why? Why do you have UCLA at number one? Uh, first of all, they're three and zero. They've played two. They played Virginia and they've played uh, BYU. Two teams that I think are respectable. Uh, they have a freshman quarterback who started off hot, just kind of tailed off. They haven't lost, and I, and I and I look at teams like Utah and Arizona. They haven't played much people yet. Well, I think you. I mean. If we're going to call Virginia a reasonable team or a respectable team, we're going to call Michigan one. Yeah, no, I think Michigan's the only one, though. And You don't think I, Utah State? No. no. Sorry. Fair enough. Sorry. RIP Chucky. We miss you already. Yeah, no, it's tough. He's shockingly, he's hurt again. You, quarterbacks in Utah just can't stay healthy. Yep, that's true. All three of them are down. Although it looks like Wilson's going to be back for uh, Utah against uh, Oregon this I, week. You know, UCLA is... 
they're they're kind of undisciplined. They get a lot of penalties. They are a tough-minded football team. A lot of injuries with them right now. Very unfortunate. I mean, it's just bad luck. Three starters, three impact guys uh, all get hurt. But I will say this. They hired a guy in Tom Bradley, who was a legit D coordinator, was great at Penn State when the Penn State had all those great teams. Last year they had the Jeff Olbert guy, who was basically a glorified position coach, and Mora was more manning the defense. Now Mora can be more of a CEO. Bradley's legit, and I think he's going to find a way to um, get past these injuries. Fair enough. All right, let's let's move on. But honestly, yeah. it literally cripples me to say that. Yeah, obviously, we got that by your ten minute USC tangent earlier, but we appreciate it. Listen, Jason, I, I'm I, like I said, I'm doing this for you. As always, I appreciate it, sir. All right, let's move on to this week, week four. We actually have some really good games. Uh, all, all eyes are on the Pac-12 this week with a nine-game schedule. We have all the attention. I like it. All right, first game I want you to go through. We'll go through Utah-Oregon. Oregon is favored by 11 points. It's at 530 on Fox. Tough game. Utah is always a tough out. I like Oregon in this game. Is are we at, is uh, Vernon back for sure? Vernon is likely to play. That is not confirmed. But based on the fact that him and Wilson for Utah, they were both available last week to play, I would assume in a first conference game that they will both be playing. I like Oregon to win this game. I like them to cover as well. Okay. Uh, I made my picks a little bit earlier on the podcast, but I have Oregon not covering but winning, and I think that if this game was in Utah, I would pick Utah to win. Interesting. I, obviously, Utah, I think, is the second toughest place to play in the conference behind Oregon. Okay, but so I, I did I did this earlier. I, I gave my top three. I had it Oregon, Arizona, and then Utah. Hmm. I would have flipped Oregon and Arizona. Uh, uh, Utah and Arizona, but six one half a dozen, all good. I, I, I actually really think that Oregon. I can't say this about their defense. This offense is going to be so good by the end of the year. Yeah, well, the playmakers are ridiculous. Yeah, and I think Adams is going to is going to get it going. I think he missed a couple throws against Sparty. I think he makes those throws in November. I, if I'm an Oregon fan, I am. I am. I'm. As they keep getting better, Adams hopefully that fingers all right. I'd be excited because I think this offense is going to be booming. Defense will still be a problem, though. Defense is really the issue at this point. I mean, Oregon played awful. It was Georgia State, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But they put 61, and they played awful offensively, um, which is saying something. There are so many playmakers. They're going to score a lot of touchdowns. The The defensive backfield is it's an unmitigated disaster at this point, and it'll likely get better. Oregon's defenses usually do. A lot of young guys. Um, their biggest problem right their biggest problem right now is I mean they force some turnovers, but they need to force more. That defense is all about forcing turnovers, not about stopping yards. Yeah. That's uh, um, I mean the number one stat we always look for on teams basically besides the win column, wins and losses, is turnover margin. Yeah, and Oregon was number one in the country at that last year, hence why they went to I the think national went forty three twenty eight. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we'll go to UCLA, Arizona. I have Arizona winning that game. UCLA is favored by three and a half. I just think the injuries on defense are too hard to overcome. I think Rosen's going to be thrown into a fire at night in Tucson. I think that's such a tough place to play, especially with game day being there. Uh, I think it gets to him a little bit, and he's certainly been trending downwards. He faced a good BYU defense last week, and uh, I, I think that Arizona gets him. I think, you know, he did complete only 48% of his passes. He's still a freshman. This will be the first of many hostile environments he will encounter. 
I, I will say Mora has played – Mora has had Rodriguez's number. 3-0 against him. All three times, Arizona has not played well against UCLA. Caleb Jones is out for Arizona. We don't know about Scooby yet. The heart says Arizona wins, but I think UCLA gets this out. All right. All right. You have a score? 21. Okay. Uh USC, ASU, I'm sorry to do this to you. It's at 7.30 on Saturday. USC is currently favored by five and a half points. I have USC winning and covering because uh, I don't think ASU is that good. And you know how I feel about Todd Graham's headset. No comment on this game. Uh, okay, really? 30-35 Arizona State. Uh, okay. So, I can't talk about this game. Okay, so we'll move on. Uh, Cal, UW. Actually, a really fun game. UW has been a little bit underrated. I don't know why people aren't paying more attention. Great have defense, great allowed, special teams. Have not allowed a passing touchdown this year. Uh, this is true. Um, they're they're kind of sneaky good. Um, better than I thought they would be. And Jake Browning, their uh, freshman QB, last two games, over 300 yards, couple touchdowns. He's looking better. Uh, I think it's going to be really close, but you know I can't go against my boy Goff. So... Cal's currently favored by four and a half points. I have them winning by four points. I do not have them covering, but I have them 34 to 30. I like your thinking. Cal has not won. I always uh, see how to perform before I go on. Cal has not won in the Bay Area since Marshawn, uh, since uh, in the Bay Area, since, in Seattle since Marshawn Lynch was there. This, this Washington Eve always tough to play in Seattle. Huskies are tough at home. Cal, you know, 3-0, and national televised game last week. People are now starting to understand who golf is. This week and next week are critical for Cal because after that, their next three games are UCLA, Utah, and SC. I like Cal to win this game. I want Cal to win this game. I think they do 34-31. Oh, so basically the same score. I agree. I think it's going to be a really close game. This might actually be one of the best games of the weekend, and unfortunately, because of the Pac-12 network, not a whole lot of people are going to be able to see it. But this is a game where like, I'm gonna, we're going to find out who Cal is in a way because these are letdown games. Yeah, for sure, especially on the road, second week in a row on the road, and you're traveling from Texas to back to California to Washington. It's kind of a grind, especially for college football. Uh, it'll be interesting. Um, I just think that the quarterback's too good. And I think that Buda, so Buda Baker, Washington's great safety, may not play. He's week-to-week right now. Um, and if that happens, Kenny Lawler, who may be the best wide receiver in the Pac-12 that a whole lot of people don't know about. He was great. Nobody knows who he is. Yeah, well, I do. And Jared Goff does, and that's all that matters because he is phenomenal. Hopefully by the end of the year he gets the respect that you and I have given him. I hope so for both of them. I hope so for the entire Cal, at least their offense, their defense. Uh, we thought they made a little turnaround, but uh, Texas exposed them a little bit, so that's a little worrisome just for them going average. forward. Well, just you don't even have to be average. Just get turnovers. That's all you have to do for an offense like Cal's. Just get them the ball more often than not. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, so we're both on that. And then finally, well, there's Colorado Nickel State. No one cares. No, we don't. We're not going to. Uh, so the final game, Friday night, or tomorrow night, on uh, Fox Sports 1. Stanford, OSU. Kevin Hogan may not play. Sprained ankle. Uh, Gary Anderson said he would be really shocked if he didn't play. Uh, I think he's going to play. So do I. Uh, I think, I said this on Twitter earlier, short week, injuries, emotional win, road game, night game, Pac-12 after dark. There's an upset brewing here. 
Now, I don't think it's actually going to happen. I have Sanford 27-17, but would not shock me whatsoever if uh, if Oregon State pulled the upset, yeah, even though they're a way worse uh, team. We've seen Stanford do this before. A few years ago, they beat SC, shocked them at home. That next week, they went up on a Friday to play Washington and lost. Do you remember that? Yeah. That kind of has that same feel to it. By the way, if Stanford loses this game, I'm going to break my phone. Yeah, well, it, it has that exact same feel. All of the same, uh, all the same intang- or tangible parts are there, but Oregon State's <clears throat> just not good. Uh, no, they're, they're, they're a bad football team. I expect it to be another Stanford grinder. Twenty-one. If this, was, if this game was at, if this game was against Washington or Utah or more talented someone like that. Yeah, anything like that, like just a little bit of a step up of the team, I think it would be a, a, an upset for sure. But against Oregon State, I just don't see that, that they have enough. But, again, it would not be a complete shock to me if they lost this game. No, totally. I mean, Pac-12 after dark, the, the Pac-12 is the, is the most unpredictable conference every year. All right, so that's it for the Pac-12. How about some general thoughts on the national picture right now? How are you feeling? Which teams are standing out to you? Which teams are disappointing to you? Uh, for starters, team that stands out, uh, first team that comes to mind is Ole Miss. Very, very impressive win at Alabama. They looked great the two weeks before that, beating up on cupcakes. I know you have a man crush. You have an early man crush on uh, Kelly. I know. I know that. He's a, he's legit. I mean, they got all those skill guys. They have a ton of receivers. That front seven is phenomenal. They're a scary team right now. And, and going into Bama and beating them and then looking at their schedule the next few weeks, it's very manageable. I, I, I like them a lot. Bama, on the other end, uh, a lot of news today about Bama, and not good news. A, a lot of news that we really can't discuss. Uh, what we can say is go to Twitter and search Lane Kiffin, and you'll have about 30 minutes of content that will be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, not sure if it's true or not, but as I've maintained, and I said this before the year, I think Bama's going to have a down year. I, I think after seven or eight years, I said this about SC with Carroll, after about seven or eight years, you, you hit a downturn where you the coaching staff turnover, the guys leave, you guys you bring in are just not as good. You get guys who you recruit guys who, yes, they're four and five stars, but they're coming with a sense of entitlement. They're not hungry, even though they haven't accomplished anything. It's, it's one of those where it's just, it's just hard to maintain that level of excellence, supreme excellence, national championship excellence, year in and year out. It's just very difficult. And, and with that, you get other teams like an old Miss who's, who, who's phenomenal right now. They've, they've really done a good job at, at Ole Miss right now. It's just it's, everyone raises their game. You raise the bar that high, it makes everyone that's around you get better. This and might be the best the best two year stretch in Ole Miss history. Yeah, yeah. We're getting to that point. It's uh, it's interesting, and then I, I also want to comment on uh, what's going on at Ohio State. Go for it. They really miss Tom Herman. He, I mean, he's done really well at Houston so far. They just their their offense is just not sharper now, and I actually think Barrett should be the starter. I think he works a little bit better for that offense too, but I'm not going to say anything about Cardell because I got Cardelled. Listen, if I if I'm an NFL team, I don't touch Cardell. Why is that? He's got awful mechanics. Everything's off his back foot. I mean, I would I wouldn't draft him in the first round. Well, that's because there's only one worthy quarterback for the first round this year. Yeah, I, I just everything's off his back foot. He just doesn't strike me as a, as a 
as a I, I, he's a gamer, but I don't know how he is Monday through Friday. No, seriously, tell me tell me another guy in college football right now that's draft eligible who could be a first round quarterback. There's one. Goff. The next guy I would say is I don't know if he's a first rounder. He'll get first round noise. Is Connor Cook? Yeah, he's not. He's not a first rounder. No, I, I don't think so either. But I'm just saying someone who will get first round noise. Michigan State only produces backups, man, and they're really good backups, but they're only backups. Hey, you know Michigan State though. You tell if you tell a guy you you come here be our quarterback, you'll be in the NFL. Yeah, you'll be in the NFL for ten years. You'll make really good money, and you won't have to play that much. I'd do it. Of course, it makes sense. I'm just saying, Connor Kirk's not a starter. Yeah, so I don't know. Ohio State, they just. They, they, I, I still think they're the best team in the country, but they got to tighten up and look a little stronger. The offense shouldn't be scoring 20 points against Western Michigan and gutting out games against Hawaii and just being flat. So something's got to change there. It's, uh, it's what I just talked about with coaching turnover and guys who come in to replace. They're just not as good, and there's not that continuity. There's, there's one other team out there that I, I, I want to get your uh, opinion on. Go for it. Auburn. Oh, God. This is my pick to win the SEC. Mine, too. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's surprising how bad they are on offense. It's, Jeremy Johnson obviously got benched this week. I, I thought he was going to come in and be a gangbuster. That offensive line's bad. They're not running the ball enough. I think Muschiep on defense. I know they've had some injuries. I think that defense, he's a good defensive coordinator, very good defensive coordinator. I wouldn't worry too much about that. It's the offense, which is shocking. They're just inept. It's it's a really bad situation down there. I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. Is it just the quarterback play, or does it start, all start with the offensive line? I, the I, offensive line has not been good, but the quarterback has been, Jeremy Johnson just has not been good. I mean, they, they and by the way, shocking that they're still ranked. Well, is it really, though? They shouldn't be. I mean, they beat an 0-3 Louisville team, and they and they hung on against a 1-AA Jacksonville State team and got thrashed by LSU. I mean, the game was 45-21, and the score doesn't even in- indicate how bad a beating that was. They didn't get thrashed by LSU. They got thrashed by one player. Well, I mean, that guy was just truck-stopping people. That's uh, a hoss. That, that was a that was a uh, all-decade highlight game. That, that, that's the kind of game where it now begs the question is, why is this guy still in school after the year? Well, this is the point that everybody's bringing up this week, is why isn't he going to the NFL? Why can't he go to the NFL? And should he sit out his junior year? It's the same thing that they said with Clowney. Now, Clowney ended up being the number one pick anyways, but... It begs the question. I mean, first of all, I don't believe guys will sit out the year because they're just too competitive. It's hard to walk away from that and not play. But I feel like... A guy like him, there's got to be some counsel or some sort to be like, you know what, you're ready to go. Yeah, some sort of uh, waiver. Yeah, so some general counsel would be like looking out for the kid's interest. Just pass go, collect your $200, and move on to the NFL. Besides, he's a running back. He's only got it. He's got a short shelf life as it is. No, I agree with you. It's uh, Yeah, that was, a, that was a performance that was just – I mean, the, 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 oh, my God. The yak and just him just throwing people away. It was everything that we expected out of him when he came out of high school, and it was all in one game. Yeah, and I also want to give credit to Notre Dame last week. Hell of a win. Great win. They dominated. I did not expect to see that. I thought Georgia Tech would win, and I thought they would win going away. It was uh, losing losing Malik Sayer in just a brutal way, by the way. The Showtime series on them is very good. For those who haven't watched, you should, and those who are watching, keep doing so. 
They're, you know what? They've had bad luck. Brian Kelly's a really good coach. They just need guys to stay healthy because they have the players. It's a really good team. They have some very difficult games, but uh, I could see them only losing one game on the uh, entire year. They're very, very talented. You think if Zaire, if Zaire doesn't get hurt, what do you, are, they, are they in the playoff for sure? No, nothing's for sure in college football, especially this sure. early. Um, I think that they would probably, they would definitely be in the discussion uh, for the entire year. Um, I, I still have them. I mean, they should still be in there. Uh, Kaiser didn't play great, but he made a big throw against Virginia the week before, and uh, he played okay against Georgia Tech, good enough to win, which is all you need to do. Procise is a really good running back, very talented, and they have the best receiver in football right now. Fuller, is. Fuller is unguardable. All you have to do is throw the ball deep along the right side, and he'll get it. He's unbelievable. You get him in single coverage, he's good to go. So uh, as long as you can do that on offense, and they've been blocking very well, uh, I think that the offense will be okay. And that defense is stacked. I mean, as long as they don't get run over by you know, some team along the line, I mean, I could see a, a team like Stanford going head-to-head with them uh, – Power versus power. Uh, I, like, I, I could like see, see SC beating them at home. Uh, that's going to be a tough game. Anyone that has to play SC is going to be a tough game. Um, at Clemson. At Clemson is going to be a tough one. So, I don't know. It'll be, it's a difficult schedule, but um, I think they're going to be in it until the end. They're, 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 tough. they're a tough, tough squad mentally. Uh, I, I love Sheldon Day, their nose tackle. And Jalen Smith is the best linebacker in the country. Well, he doesn't even look like a def- – he looks like a tight end. He is a – he's the first linebacker off the board. He's really his, good. He's, his sideline to sideline, he moves like a gazelle. Well, like, him, him and uh, – well, probably Jack was there before he got injured. Yeah. Really unfortunate injury for him. O- Tell, only player on UCLA I really liked. Is he uh, – you think he still leaves? I think that he probably should leave. Uh, I still think he's probably a first-rounder. He's just probably a late first-rounder instead of a top-ten pick now. It's four to six months, so he can come back and work out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that people were – there's enough tape on him where I don't think people were worried. It's like seeing, uh, like, Gurley. Uh, there's enough tape on him that you knew that he was that good. So I don't think that will necessarily be a big issue for him. But, yeah, I, I would leave and not risk getting injured again. you got to make that money. Make that money. Make that paper. This is like when, when Mariota didn't decide to come out two years ago. Uh, I got on him because I, I think if you're a first-round pick, uh, you go. Yeah, I think also. I'm, obviously, I'm glad that he came back because the Heisman in the national championship, and obviously he made the right decision. But I still think, in general, the rule is if you're a first round pick, you leave. Yeah, I mean, and also you want to go when your value's at its highest because the longer you stay, the more you get picked apart. Well, especially for quarterbacks. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting. We're we're now going to be after this week a month into the season, and uh, I don't know what to make of it. A lot of teams, it, no one's impressive right now. I think that this is one of the weirder years where no one looks like gangbusters. I, we're, we, I think we're getting a two-loss team in the playoff. Oh, I, I feel relatively confident about that. I think we're getting a two-loss team, and I, and I think a, a two-loss team from the SEC is, is one of those teams. I could see two two-loss teams. Yeah, I, I, I mean... I could see SEC and, Pac-12 champ, SEC and Pac-12 champion, and then whoever has the least losses out of the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I think the Pac-12 champion, whoever it is, one or two losses, is getting in the playoff. I think the same thing with the SEC, as long as two or less. Well, I want to ask you just uh, another national question. TCU visits Texas Tech this weekend. Any chance for an upset? I don't think so. I think that actually TCU is going to get uh, 
get his stuff together this week. I think that Texas Tech. You know how I love Kingsbury, aka Ryan Gosling. I love him, but mm-hmm. you know I, I think that that Arkansas team is just—it's uh, just a dumpster fire right now, and which is sad because I love Bielema also. Um, so I he, think that, he just needs to stop talking. So I think that their win last week, while I guess kind of impressive based on Arkansas's talent, I think is just kind of a facade. Uh, I think that TCU, <laughs> TCU hasn't played great, but I think that they get it together this week. Two defensive injuries for TCU. Texas Tech is, has much improved from last year to this year. Yeah, and also Brett much he just needs to stop talking. I, I don't want him to stop talking. He said that something was borderline erotic. I, I'm not going to take that away from him. Come on. That's the greatest line in college football in three years. That program is – It's I like that pro- – we both like that program coming into the year. The, the Jonathan Williams injury was bad, worse than we thought, just in terms of how talented he is and how much he means to that team. But they're a mess. Oh, it's so sad. I love that team. Them and, them and Auburn, two teams we really liked. And then, and then teams like Texas A&M, we kind of overlooked, and Ole Miss, and look at look where they are now. All right, so let's pick one game, non-Pac-12, that we liked, that we were going to keep a close eye on this weekend. One game, non-Pac-12. That's a good question, and one I like to think about. Hmm, do you have one that comes to mind? Uh, I think LSU, Mississippi State, or LSU, what, not Mississippi State. What am I talking about? Auburn plays Mississippi State. LSU yeah, plays that's the one I meant. LSU's in Syracuse. I don't want that one. I'm going to go with the first game of the day, BYU at Michigan. Interesting. BYU, brutal schedule to start the year. By the way, kudos to them for scheduling that hard going. Crisscrossing basically across the country. And playing well while doing it. Yeah, this is going to be a really tough one for them. I just think that team is gassed right now. I think Michigan wins this game. They're favored by five and a half points right now. I, I just I don't know how much they – that defense kind of wilted in the fourth quarter last week for BYU. They're just – the offensive line wasn't protecting as well. It, it's just – it's tough what they've been through. And Michigan kind of, you know, is kind of getting into a groove. Played well last week. Played a patsy in UNLV, but got it going. That defense is really good. That defensive line, particularly, is really good. But, yeah, that's what I want to look forward to. And I'm always interested in Harbaugh. All right. So that does it for this week. We will be back next Thursday, hopefully. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Ethan. No problem.